All right. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of our show, True Data Ops. I'm your host, Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior. Each week, we're going to bring you podcasts covering all things data ops with the people who are making data ops what it is today. So our very special guest today is my good friend, Justin Mullen, the CEO and co-founder of DataOps.Live and the co-author of the book, Data Ops for Dummies. Welcome to the show, Justin, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Kent. I thought you were never going to invite me on this show, but delighted to be on it at last. You know, uh, what I was, I've been waiting for ages for the introduction. Yeah, well, glad, glad we could finally make this happen. And a great way to start off 2023 by, by having you on the show. Fantastic, fantastic. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, uh, to, to get us started, um, you know, not everybody who's watching the show or listening to us on the podcast uh, may, may know as much about you as I do. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit of your, your background here? Yeah, sure. So, uh, look, I've been a tech guy for, uh, for all of my life. So did, uh, uh, did computers at, uh, at university and, uh, uh, and love that and, uh, and came out and in fact stayed over i moved over from ireland into the uk and then stayed over in the uk and started working for a for a software company that was right beside ibm's head offices right down in the, in portsmouth in the in the south of england so directly <coughs> directly opposite them and it was uh, it was great fun and it was a small software house so i learned so much what it called in uh, in those in, in those early stages and I suppose what I've been through sort of three main sort of phases in my uh, in, in my growth and in my in my career. So I think the first of those was all around sort of IT systems uh, and data. So I did a lot of work in the early days. I don't know if you remember way back whenever there was help desk and IT management and Remedy and Peregrine, Kent and all, yeah. all of those things. And I did a ton of work around that. And uh, network monitoring and HP and BMC and all of that. And I tended to get always involved in the data side around that. So how to pull all of this data together, how to aggregate it and building a lot of the data marts that uh, that we reported off the back of, you know, to understand what was uh, what was going on then. I then spent, uh, and that was about 10 years, I then spent about another 10 years in workflow and business process automation. So heavily into a lot of workflow around uh, Microsoft stack at that stage, got very heavily into the Microsoft ecosystem. Uh, got involved in SSIS and BizTalk and uh, uh, SQL Server, data warehousing and a lot of the stuff around that. So heavily into data management uh, around sort of business processes and analyzing uh, performance. And then the last 10 years been really into what I would sort of sometimes refer to as hardcore data, which is just true proper big data. So I've done that for, you know, got involved with talent way back in 2012, which was fantastic and did a lot of work on uh, uh, on building systems for big customers around talent and Hadoop uh, and Vertica. And then some uh, someone introduced me to a small database company in 2017 called uh, Snowflake. Uh, and told me this is going to be the, be the next, the, the best thing since sliced bread, and uh, and the next biggest thing. And uh, and honestly, it took us about a month to realize it it, it was going to be that, and we became the first uh, Snowflake uh, partner in EMEA at that stage. So it was uh, so it was great. So uh, thirty odd years in uh, in data or or in and around data. So uh, I'm I'm a lot older than I look, Kent. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're <laughs> you're, you're you're holding up pretty well there, Justin. I'm holding up pretty well. I'm holding up yeah. pretty well. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty good. So um, let's let's talk about uh, the a, a little more history here, and you know, tell everyone how this idea for a cloud-based data ops platform came about. Well, you probably know more than anyone, you know. So what could you were involved in a lot of the uh, in the early stages, I suppose. I suppose it came about as a as a mixture of things. It came about from um, we were, as you know, we became the first partner of Snowflake and EMEA, and we started doing a lot of the early deployments. And uh, we, we, because we were doing, and, the and that was that was for folks that don't know, that was under the the, the company name Datalytics. Datalytics, that's right. And you remember you, me, Sam Hopper, we did the very first zero to Snowflake in ninety minutes, and uh, and all of in that London. Stuff. Yes, yeah, in London, that's right. It's my and, second uh, trip to London. Your second trip to London, and so we started doing a, a lot of uh, a lot of that. And as we dealt with more and more customers, uh, we started saying, you know, how can we build repeatability into this? How can we accelerate their time to value? How can we how can we enable them not just to get to value, but then to repeat and and maintain that value, doing more and more stuff uh, uh, over and over again? And uh, and how can we remove some of the barriers to to success? And I think if we then sort of look forward, we started talking about data ops and that repeatability in the lobby of the Marriott Hotel. If you remember, uh, yeah. over in San Mateo, you, me, Guy had joined us. Guy Adams had, had joined us at that stage as our, our CTO, and Guy had been visiting a lot of these ideas, and he lit a fire under the whole thing. He lit a fire under it in terms of his you know twenty years background in DevOps and CICD and start asking some really serious questions. Why can't we just do this again? Why can't we bring DevOps and CICD uh, to data? And that's where, that was sort of the start of the whole idea. That was the start of, you know, how can we bring it? How can we bring that repeatability to it? We realized it was called data ops, realized everyone was misusing the term data ops all over the industry and, and sort of just applying it to whatever they thought was data operations or, or, or whatever, but it wasn't the true essence of DevOps for data. Um, and so we then coined the, uh, uh, we came up with the idea for the uh, the philosophy and we wrote the philosophy. As you remember, you participated in it, True, true Data Ops and the, and the seven pillars and True Data Ops you know, to make sure it was different from what everyone else was misusing. And then the platform uh, came after that, which is like, how do we do it? And how do we build that CIC process? So that's where the idea uh, and uh, where everything came from. Yeah, so so really it was the, you know, a couple of things that, yeah, I remember the, you you guys asking me, so you know, what are you hearing from customers? What's one of the things that, you know, is there anything big that seems to be missing from, I'll say, the native Snowflake platform? And the number right. one thing request I kept getting was CI/CD. Is like, you know, how, how do we do CI/CD with data? Right. Yeah. Um, I think I had previously I'd written a, a blog post about doing I called it Agile DevOps. I didn't know about yeah. data ops at the time. Agile DevOps with Snowflake using zero copy clone. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was uh, something uh, Steve Herskovitz, who was the the VP of sales engineering at the time, he and I had worked out, you know, what are the steps? How, how can we actually really use this? People had not thought about necessarily using zero copy clone in, um, in change control, right? And in development, they thought about, oh, okay, yeah, we can copy it and then we can run some tests. We do sandboxes for data science people. But the idea that we could use zero copy clone to create a dev environment and a QA environment? And then how would you promote things from one to the other? That was, uh, you know, very early on. And, you know, that 
sort of fed into all this. And that was the fundamental capability, Kent, that made it possible. You know, that zero copy clone that you'd identified in this Agile DevOps was the capability <coughs> that made it possible for us to even think about how do we do a feature branch of our code and how do we do a feature branch of our database to align with our code at the same time? And, you know, no one else, no one else had that feature and no one else had that, that capability. And to be, you know, largely, no one really still has the extent of the capability that's in Zero Copy Clone and Snowflake even today. They've got different elements so you can clone different <coughs> areas of tables or, you know, individual portions, but not that not that core capability. And that's what made true data ops possible. You know, it was Snowflake, that zero copy clone. And then what we had to do was then think about, right, what are the all of the other core principles of DevOps? What were those battle-hardened ones? As Guy used to always say, how do we bring only what, uh, how do we bring everything from DevOps and then only change the things that are absolutely critical to change for data. And that's what we embarked on. And that's what we've delivered over the last uh, three and a half, four years. Yeah. And I think the, the, like you said, the zero copy clone was kind of a, it was one of those aha moments, right. That, that we all had is like, you yeah. can't, we can't really do well to do it in any other platform other than Snowflake would be hugely expensive because nobody did have that zero copy clone. Yeah. You know, People for years. I mean, you and I had done that for, well, decades, basically, yeah. trying to do that with data warehouses. Like, hey, you know, we, we need we need a bigger dev instance. We need a bigger QA instance. And it's like, mm, you know, we can't afford it, right? So we could never really do that. But we then, never do it. yeah, go on. Yeah, and then you've got, um, with that capability, though, one of the other keys, though, that comes into... Um, the uh, pillars of true data ops and the approach was governance is how do you, how do you govern this? How do you, how do you make sure that only certain people are able to copy that production data and, and keep track of it and keep track of the, uh, the branches and the merging and not just have people just kind of willy nilly moving things around, which, you know, they would have done with the scripts that I wrote because I had no governance in there at all. It was just, yeah, yeah. yeah here's how you do it fundamentally, you know, who gets to do it? That, okay. That was like something I hadn't really thought about. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that governance element was in large part, you know, if you'd look at, um, you know, just taking Snowflake as the, as the core platform, you know, a lot of those governance capabilities were built into Snowflake. You know, there was a lot of strength in terms of the, uh, uh, you know, the way in which you apply security and controls and policies and, uh, and all of those things. But what we had to do is we had to, you know, the zero copy clone was one element of it. But actually what we also had to do was step back and say, right, in the building of a, of a, of a, a data product, you know, and that's a key element that we must discuss, what it called in the building of a data product on Snowflake, we need to be able to manage and orchestrate and automate in a programmatic way the building and the rebuilding of every single object. In Snowflake, how do we not only build tables and views and, uh, and materialized views, but how do we manage and lifecycle manage the 30, 35 odd other objects that exist in Snowflake? And how do we enable them so that we can do it in a declarative fashion? So every time we build a, a you know, a, a, a data platform, then you know, it checks the source of truth, it checks the target, and it'll, it'll only do what the differences are. 
you know, and if there's no differences, it, it'll do nothing. And that was a very, very core element, you know, and Snow Snowflake was, you know, leading the way on making the, the programmatic management of its entire, uh, of the entire Snowflake cloud possible with its APIs and everything else. And that's really what, you know, we tapped into. And, you know, if we take it back out of, you know, just what we've done in, in, in data ops, that's core to true data ops, you know, regardless of whether it's us or anything, you, you know, organizations need to be selecting tools that are, that are able to control and manage all of those elements of a, of a cloud data platform. Yeah, yeah, because it, well, one of the principles, of course, is trying is trying to be more agile. And that's what yeah. everybody wants to do. And if you have certain parts automated and tracked, but other parts aren't automated and tracked, it's a lot harder to move yeah. quickly. And you run that risk of, you know, in the, I'll say the CI, CD world, continuous integration, continuous development of potentially not doing a full deployment because there was a couple of objects that you hadn't tracked. Uh, yeah, yeah. you're just running manual scripts. It's like, okay, we can push a button and we can get all this to happen, but then somebody still has to go run a set of scripts to finish mm. it out. Um, yeah. and, and that was one of the things that I know you guys were trying to uh, make sure that that wasn't going to be the case, that with your platform, um, that it's all encompassing. Like you said, mm -hmm. all of the objects that somebody could be changing and adding in a Snowflake environment are all covered in dataops.live and, and and they're all governed as well which yeah. is I, I think that's one of the one of the keys that you know gets gets left out a lot is you know mm. are we governing all of the components mm. uh, in the life cycle not just you know okay we've got the code in in git right okay great so we got all the ddl over in git but what about the like you said the data what about the you know stored procedures what about streams and tasks all of these other things that are in Snowflake, yeah. Yeah, no, sorry, go on ahead. Yeah, so um, I want to go back to something you said earlier, you know, talking about, you know, kind of got the basic idea and, uh, you know, Guy brought a lot to the table with his experience in DevOps, but then we got into defining what the real vision was. And that's, that's kind of where, that's where this idea of true data ops came from, right? Right. Yeah. What is the, you know, if you think about that, that, that vision, the vision is why are we, um, remember, there was a new paradigm that also had changed over that time when we were back in 2019, we stopped talking about data projects and we started talking about data products. And um, we started talking about the fact that we, you know, we shouldn't be defining. We had we had spent years delivering projects to numerous big organizations. Many of I can't name them, but uh, you know, everyone would, would would know them. And it was always about delivering the project and delivering the platform and delivering the data warehouse. Okay, which and that was not, you know, while that was the end goal, that was no good to the business. You know, the business needed something something else. It didn't care how it was getting delivered. It needed data products. It needed a, a, an end functional element, a data mart or a share of data or whatever to, to be built. And so we started talking about these, these, data, these data products. And then thinking about that, then it brings the whole thing of, well, if we're building data products, how do we build and how do we lifecycle manage them? How do we treat them like a product over their entire lifetime? So not how do we just build them once? 
And how do we build them in a very complicated uh, ecosystem, which has many tools as part of it? You know, Fivetran and Matillion and uh, and DataIQ and uh, Monte Carlo and all of these different things that exist in that that ecosystem, of which you know data will be flowing through and from and to any one of them and through Snowflake and DBT and various other things as well. But how do we uh, how do we manage those uh, th those as products? How do we continue to um, you know, change, manage them as changes come to those products uh, uh, over time. And so that brought in the whole concept of true, you know, what that brought to true data ops is the vision of we need to bring everything that's worked in software development that allowed us to do uh, DevOps and CICD and true software product lifecycle management. We needed to bring all of those elements across into the data world so that we could truly treat you know, an end financial services dashboard like a product and manage every element of it and all of the changes. Because one single change to just an ingestion table has a consequence and a downstream effect of changing the Matillion job that's loading it, changing the Monte Carlo job that's uh, running data quality tests on it, changing the transformations you might be running in, in DBT against the, uh, uh, the cloud, changing the, the data science algorithms that are applied to it, and then changing the output that you might push to both Tableau as a, as a scorecard and maybe your Calibra um, you know, data catalog. So how do you manage that change as a single atomic unit? So that, that you, you, you know, you can manage a change, you can feature branch, build the change, build the change across all of those tools, and then promote those through dev tests and, and prod. So coming back to your question, the vision was, how do we, how do we create that opportunity? And how do we create the ability for developers, the, these data product developers to build, to, to, you know, to, build new changes to these pipelines and promote them through the same life cycle as we do in software development with no barriers to them, no challenges to them and making them highly productive as individuals. You know, we reckon data engineers were 40 to 70% less productive than software developers. And so it's how do we remove that 40 to 70% and make them as productive? Right. And so with all of that, that's where we ended up with those, the seven pillars of true data yeah. ops. Correct. Yeah. And so that then, I mean, to a certain extent, it was, it was a, you know, it was a theoretical thought leader exercise, you know, your, yourself, Guy, uh, Mike Ferguson, um, and yeah. Wayne Eckerson, you know, we all got together and walked through this and said, you know, ideally, this is, this is what we see. This is what's necessary if we're going to be successful with this approach on data. Yeah. And that then in turn has actually then driven the development of your actual platform, right? Exactly. You know, we started with the philosophy. We started saying, what way should it work? Okay. And then we said, right, can we build something that fill, that lives up to that philosophy? And we won't live up to every element of it, but we try to live up to every element of it. And, you know, and we were building off the back of the uh, the good work that the team at Data Kitchen had done on, on terms of setting out, you know, the Data Ops Manifesto. We set out the, 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 the true Data Ops and, the, the, you know, the manifesto was the what. We were defining the how. This is the way it should work. This is the way that it should operate um, to, to, you know, to be truly successful. And then we use that as our definition, as our defining sort of North Star to say, right, now we want to build a platform to, to do that. 
and we want to build a long-term agnostic platform. Um, but we're going to focus all of our energies on uh, on one platform and getting it right. And Snowflake was the choice for that, and uh, and that's what drove what we built today, and is what's been used by great companies like Rush, you know, who've now up to you know you know hundreds of developers, all working the same way, building you know fifty, sixty. Um, data products and uh, and releasing here's the, the big thing releasing I think over a hundred 120 times a month into production and that was unheard of a year ago they were releasing one time once a quarter you know whenever you think about it so yeah it's a phenomenal uh, measurement and, and KPI in terms of it's a true measure of agility isn't it really when you think about it you know how agile are we well how many times can you release to production in a month? you know, successfully, without failure, without having to roll back and all of those things. Yeah, yeah, because if you think back in the in the DevOps world, uh, books like the Phoenix Project and uh, folks that were working in that area, that was that was like the gold standard, uh, yeah. you know, talked about, you know, Netflix and Amazon, all these massive companies and how many times they released to production in a day. In a and, day. you know, in the data world, we're like, well, yeah, if we can release something to production... <laughs> Between three, you know, three months, it, it, we three months it, yeah, yeah, we yeah. were like a 90 day data mark, right? That was like, you know, a couple decades ago, that was the goal. It's like, can we deliver something in 90 days? Can we get down to 90 days? That was and considered really good. That, that was, was considered really good. Previously, it was years, right? Yeah. Like you, you, you'd go on, you know, building an enterprise data warehouse, and it might be a two and a half year project before anybody saw anything. And so yeah. this idea of, you know, kind of merging agile with data warehousing it's like can we deliver something in 90 days that was our first goal and then it got down to well, okay how about you know something in a month you know maybe four to six weeks and then we get down to talking about two week sprints it's like can we do something in two weeks um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and while many of us managed to do those sorts of things so lots of little pieces like what we're talking about in the data ops stuff might not have been there it might have been manual uh, and it, you had to have a crack team, right? If you had a crack yeah. team, you could do it, right? Yeah. But if you had a new team or a growing organization, or as we've seen in the last you know, five years, yeah. uh, data is just coming from everywhere and it's coming so much faster. And then you throw in stuff like data sharing. It's like, holy cow, you know, uh, you, you can't have that many expert data engineers to keep up with the pace. And, that, and that's kind of where... This, the data ops thing comes in and trying to have a platform to help. Um, and you're talking about Rosh, I'd like to say Rosh is a, a great example. OneWeb was another one, um, mm. which, uh, you know, we've, we're going to hear from Rush in a, uh, another week or so. And we heard from oh, yeah, OneWeb yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. We had uh, Miguel on, um, but and you've, you've had Paul coming on as well, I think, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Paul's coming on uh, shortly. So I guess one of the, you know, it's kind of a leading question, but, you know, step back from your, your CEO of DataOps.Live um, yeah. hat for a second. You know, do you think it's at all possible for us to get value from data um, this quickly and be agile if you're not using some form of data ops? Look, of course you can get value from data without data ops because we've been getting value from data for um, uh, for a long time uh, without uh, necessarily data ops. But we can't deliver continual and repeatable 
and quicker value from data without data. So that I'm 100%. We can't be truly agile on data without data ops. And what I mean by agile, I mean that, you know, that um, that stakeholder, that demanding stakeholder who comes and says, you know, I want these changes and I want them in production and I want them by tomorrow, you know, or, you know, by tomorrow, you know, or the, or, or the next day. And they genuinely mean it because their dashboard's wrong or because someone's misinterpreted something that, you know, in terms of a, an attribute or someone's counted up what the total customer lifetime value that, you know, the, 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 that needs to be corrected because they're making fundamental business changes out of that. So or, they got of, a new, or they got a new source of data. Oh, they've got a new source of data. Oh, look at, you know, we've just had this new source of data and that needs to be appended in so that we've got this new uh, lifetime value. We can never be as responsive as we need to be and as, as the business demands us to be without having data ops. Now, that I am 100%, 100% clear. And we know that from the customers that we've deployed, de- deployed this to. What we've seen is their business and their stakeholders get what they need faster. Their developers be more productive and deliver more. Like that's, that's a key thing. Their developers, their developers out there are desperately desiring to meet the, the needs of, uh, of business stakeholders and being hampered because they have to, they have to hold their hand up when they can get some time on dev and they've got a what it called work out which test environment to push to and they you know they've got to you know work out whether they're you know their their change works with somebody else's change and if all of that 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 mundane process that's been devops over the years is not automated then that's just inertia delayed time frustration for developers and you know what we take developer productivity very seriously you know that is if we if we get that one thing right we make developers more productive that is the that is the key uh, leading indicator that everything else will work wow yeah okay and that's a good lead into uh one one of my final questions here is what's the what's look coming in the future here for data ops live for the platform you know what what's going to happen in 2023 is anything we can be looking forward to hearing about from you guys Look, you know, we've done, we've spent the, you know, what I call, I suppose, 20, 20 and 21 really getting the fundamentals right in terms of, you know, all of the core capabilities and uh, and, and the whole platform just working and, and working in a very, in, in a completely rock solid fashion. So Guy has done an amazing job. You know, we've got you know, three nines or whatever in terms of availability and all of that sort of stuff. So we really focus on that. The last um, 12 months, we've really focused on bringing new capability, new enterprise, because we're fundamentally an enterprise platform built for mid-tier corporates and, 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 and major enterprises like Roche and like other major, you know, 200,000 man organizations uh, uh, around the globe. So, um, so we focus on those enterprise features. And just in our last quarter, um, Thomas Steinborner leads our product. He really focused heavily on, you know, how do we uh, build scale, build engineering scale into the platform. So focus on support for, you know, other, uh, um, uh, you know, our new release of our Calibra uh, runner and uh, our Kubernetes support and our, the release of our, uh, you know, our cloud development environment and all of those things. So that, that's been great. 
I think we're going to continue that and we're going to continue the emphasis on, on, on supporting data engineering at scale so that we're not only delivering individual productivity at a developer level, but we're delivering the governance and the control and all of those other elements that the enterprise architects want. Okay, so we're going to focus on that. We're going to continue to focus on, um, you know, also supporting enterprise architects around the need to maybe separate the management of pipelines around changing infrastructure, which they're very sensitive to. You know, if I want to stand up new data warehouses or I want to, you know, create new databases and all of those things that require approvals, the separation of those types of pipelines from the pipelines that just run the data flows and just coordinate and, and orchestrate uh, things. We will never stop our focus on developer productivity. You know, our goal is to make the most productive developers that there is. So um, so that will be continue to be a core focus o o over over this year. I think some of the exciting stuff is we'll have some announcements coming up just now in Q1 around metadata observability. You know, as the orchestrator of all of these different tools and a natural collection point of a lot of metadata, then we'll see unified uh, unified observability. And not observability in the way that, you know, a Monte Carlo with that because we will you know, take and, and, and enrich data from Monte Carlo and give data back to Monte Carlo and Calibra, but a unified approach to, 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 how, to how we do that. Um, and the one the clever thing that we'll sort of point out for later on in the year is we'll start to look at how AI can start to help us developing some of this stuff. And so how, uh, how the employment of AI can maybe make e our development processes even faster than they are today. Hmm. Oh, that's that sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah that's really super <laughs> Look exciting. Look forward to hearing seeing about that and how that kind yeah. works out. So, uh, my final question: If you didn't do data, what would you do, Justin? What would oh. you be doing if you weren't in the middle of data? Well, I've been a serial serial entrepreneur, so I'm not too sure what what I would do if I wasn't doing something in uh, in uh, in business. Um. The one thing that uh, that that I've sort of gotten in my uh, uh, my nephew's moved over in with us. He's moved over from Ukraine and joined us and and uh, us. And he's a mechanic. He's been a mechanic since he was the age of twelve with his father, uh, Nikita. And uh, and he and we're starting to uh, do some work around the house with cars. And I've really reinvigorated my love for cars and vehicles and anything that uh, that, that moves and uh, and going out and helping them find cars to buy and to uh, uh, and to do up and I think it would be something to do with that it would be something to do with uh, cars and uh, uh, and old classic cars especially. restoration so restoration especially of classics my my dad yeah. Whenever I grew up from the age of 10, he had old vintage cars like 1912 Daimlers and oh, wow. 1946 Woolsey 12s and, uh, and Morris Miners and all these cars you would never have heard of in America. But, you know, the classics. And, uh, and so, yeah, probably something to do with cars and especially classic cars. Wow. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you got to have something other than data just in case. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just, in, <laughs> just something to fall back on, you know? So. Yeah, classic cars is probably good because then when the data infrastructure doesn't work, those cars will still run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't have any chip, there's no chips in those. There's no chips, no AI, nothing in them. We just got to get the engine oiled, you know? So That's right. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, well thank you so much for being my guest today, Justin. And uh, thanks to our audience for joining. 
Uh, next week, we're going to be uh, moving our live streams from Monday to Wednesday and a little earlier in the day so that our uh, viewers in the UK aren't, aren't having to get, and, and our guests like Justin <laughs> aren't having to get on so late in the day. So we're going to be um, going Wednesday and earlier. And you'll, you'll see that on all the, uh, the LinkedIn uh, events going forward. So but be sure to come back again ne next Wednesday. I'll have Justin back again, along with Guy Adams, who we mentioned uh, earlier, who's the CTO of DataOps.Live. And they're going to join me to give us their predictions on what's going to happen in the data ops space for 2023. So this is, you know, we're going to do some visioning here and see what do we think is going to happen this year in this space and in the world of true data ops. So be sure to join us then. Uh, and if you can't join us live, you can always watch us on the replay. So thanks again, everyone, and uh, happy 2023. Happy 2023. Thanks, Kent.